0: Hello, friends, and welcome to the Exploring Washington State podcast. My name is Scott Cowan, and I'm the host of the show. Each episode, I have a conversation with an interesting guest who is living in or from Washington State. These are casual conversations with real and interesting people. I think you're going to like the show. So let's jump right in with today's guest. All right, well, welcome to this episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast. I'm sitting here today with Chef Becky of Burgerville. Chef Becky, I got to tell you. I, I think Burgerville's cool. I always have. But I always thought it was an Oregon company, so I never would have reached out to you guys because the joke is we, we make fun of Oregon on the show. We're not going to do that today. We're going to be kind. But when, when your team reached out, when Burgerville actually reached out and said, hey, and then they go, but we're a Vancouver company. I did not know this. So they, they put us in touch with each other, and, and you are the executive chef. I'm going to probably just call you the grand poobah of the kitchen for the rest of this episode. But what I'd like to know, let's just get started is your path to Burgerville started when and how?
1: Uh, It's kind of a long story. So I was actually uh, raised, I have a large family. Uh, My parents uh, attempted to raise us vegetarian. And when we were kids, we would walk to the mall and we would walk past the mall and get cheeseburgers and then go to the mall. So Burgerville was always a spot for us when we could go and sneak a cheeseburger when our parents weren't around. <laughs> so we, <laughs> This, yes.
0: Awesome.
1: <laughs> I mean, we could have been sneaking worse things, right?
0: I, I was going to say, I mean, that's so tame. I mean, that's just awesome. All right, I'm sorry. Please continue.
1: <laughs> so um, I... um. Before I came to Burgerville, I worked at another local company and a coworker, a previous co-worker who had moved on to another job, reached out and said, I, I had a friend ask me if I wanted to interview for this job. And I think it's better suited for you. Can I pass them the info? And I said, who is it? And she's like, it's Burgerville. It's like, oh my gosh, I love them. And it lines up with a lot of my, my values around food. And that would be fantastic. And so, you know, I was raised in the Pacific Northwest. I was raised in Northeast Portland. And Burgerville is the iconic, you know, fast food place for us. It gives you a little bit of that like retro kind of a feel to it when you go in. And so it was very exciting for me because I was like, oh my gosh, I love them. They're the only fast food I eat. So that would make sense for me to interview with them. And so that's kind of... It's a long story and a short story all at the same time.
0: So where did you go to culinary school and how did you, you know, education wise, how did you get positioned to, for this opportunity?
1: Um, so, like I said, I have a lot of siblings. So my mom made us all cook with her because mm-hmm. that's a, a lot of mouths to feed in a day have <laughs> seven siblings. So um, she always said that she wanted us cooking with her. And so we were always cooking Some of my favorite memories is making, uh, blintzes for the just tremendous amount of people we would have over for Hanukkah every year. And those are my favorite memories. And when I really started thinking about what I wanted to do, cooking was fun and I liked to invent. And so I wanted to go to culinary school and, um, Western Culinary was around back then, over in downtown Portland, and I applied for there. Got into that that school. Um, while I was in that school, I applied to a culinary school called Bali Malu. In the Southern Can you, you a-
0: repeat that, please?
1: Called Bali Malu.
0: Bali I was that was on the sheet that they provided me, and I was avoiding it at all costs because I wasn't going to be able to pronounce it.
1: <laughs> valley maloo okay valley Malu cookery school okay. it's in a very small town in um the eastern end uh, in cork and so when i went to western culinary i learned a lot and i know i was right out of high school so i was you know wide-eyed young kiddo ready to take on the world and i did my externship actually i did it at Kells. i was like if i'm going to ireland i might as well go to an irish pub and I learned a lot from the folks that I worked with there. They were just old school line cook guys that were very protective of me after a short period of time. And I went to, to Malu, and I, it very much changed how I looked at food. It's a, it's a farm and it's a fully functioning farm. And at that point, all of our eggs that we used came from the hens that we fed scraps from the food that we made throughout the course of the day. That was a chore. You had to feed the hens every day. And everything that we got at the school was within, um, you know, about 10 mile radius of the school if it didn't come from the school. So the food, the beef, the cows were treated very well. They were treated very well. They were grass fed. And I mean, you can't go to Ireland without seeing cows literally everywhere. Um, Right. So they're, they're, they're fed well, they're taken care of. And so I got this, uh, love for locality and I was like, I feel like I'm back home because the Pacific Northwest is very much like that. Right. So we, we love our locality. We love our small local businesses. We've got a lot, a lot of great, unique flavors that come out of this area. So it just kind of ignited something in me that really, um, I've taken with me throughout my career. And so okay. it kind of like bled into Burgerville very easily because that is what Burgerville does.
0: Right. One of the things your team shared with me, and I'm going to try to read it um, verbatim was, as I switched screens. I apologize for that, but um, Burgerville is proud of its community involvement, giving back to numerous organizations and partnering with nearly 1000 local regional farmers, ranchers, and food producers to develop the best of the Pacific Northwest uh, with fresh local ingredients at 39 locations in Oregon and Washington. Can you name all thousand vendors please for us? That's a huge number of, of, of vendors. It's just, that's staggering. What, so from that pool of vendors, what what products do you guys bring in?
1: That's a long list as well. Um, I mean, I do have uh, quite a few vendors that I can name off the top of my head that we work with on a regular basis. Right. but um, a lot of a lot of that number is going to come from our seasonal items. And um, whether we use it one time or many times, we love to find either local farm, ranch or business that makes something that is uniquely theirs and uniquely the Pacific Northwest.
0: So whose responsibility is it to go and source, I mean, that's a lot of work to find a thousand different, I mean, well, thousands of placeholders, 10, going and finding 10 vendors is a lot of work. It would be much simpler to call up the local food wholesaler and, you know, have the semi back up and, you know, shovel off all the frozen food into the, into the freezer. So who's, at Burgerville, who, who is responsible for that? Vendor procurement, how's that? We'll call it that.
1: Um, it's our supply chain director, Sierra okay. Lamina. Um, she is kind of my other half here. Okay. So um, I like to tell people that she gets the food, I play with the food.
0: Perfect. But do you give her marching orders? Marching orders is a bad word, but go along. But do you say, I'm looking for turnips? Mm-hmm. And you say, okay, go find me local turnips. And she'll go out and con- contact local southwestern Washington, nor- northern Oregon vendors, um, and bring you back some turnips and say, "Hey, what do you think of these?" Mm-hmm. Wow,
1: that's, that's very, very much what what kind of happens. So okay. our our food team, our foodie group is uh, three people. Okay, and the part that really excites me is all three people have a very strong culinary background. She uh-huh. also is um, has gone through culinary school and is trained and has worked on lines and you know in lines in restaurants and uh-huh. um, has had that path and then found that her passion was really playing with the numbers and playing with the products and creating relationships with the vendors. Uh-huh. So that's really the Focal point of kind of how I see her working with them is she has a strong relationship with the vendors themselves. And so if there's something that she's like, I'm not sure where to go to, she'll call up Surrey Farms and be like, Hey, this is what I'm looking for. Do you happen to have a connection to it?
2: Right. Okay. So
1: she's got a lot, a lot of people in her back pocket. So it very much is that she does have and Like in turn, she has primarily the relationship, but in turn, like the whole team has that relationship. And it's great because that team consists of our CEO, Ed Casey, who has a long history in the food business, myself and her. And it's the three of us that literally will like come up with some ideas for what would be seasonally accurate for that time of year and start um, I'll start playing with recipes and she'll start looking to see where we can get this stuff.
0: Okay. we kind of bounced ahead there. Sorry about that. So you finished up culinary school, you ended up applying for the Burgerville job. Um, There's a there few in between that. Okay. Yeah. But, you, you, but, but you're obviously <laughs> at, at Burgerville now. So, okay. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now when I, I don't know much about the food industry, so I've got this, you know, very, low level set of expectations here. I mean, I just don't know. So I might be asking you something silly here, but Burgerville, just the name of it, it's, it's a burger place. So you're kind of, you kind of know your path. You got to, you're, you're sticking kind of to that. Uh, I don't want to call it fast food, but you're, we're sticking to that, you know, that burger fry, you know, beverage motto. You're not I don't think you're bringing foie gras into the menu at any time, you know. I mean,
1: I might make it at home for my family, but... Yeah,
0: yeah but, but no, Burgerville's, you know, Burgerville's got this, 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 so... But what I like about Burgerville is, you know, I want to say the last time I was there, which was a long time ago, because I don't I don't get down to... Well, we need to talk about locations. You know, I'm, I'm putting in a request that you guys come into the Wenatchee market. I think you need to ex- just expand. Um, there, I said it. Um, but I don't get down to, C- Centralia is the closest one to me probably. Uh, I, and I, whenever I go through Centralia, not the time that I would n- normally eat at uh, Burgerville. Um, so it's been a while, and but I want to remember, this is, this is a bad memory, but I want to remember the last time I was there, there was like, asparagus being served mm-hmm. and I thought that was really really cool like that's a cool like I didn't see that coming like what do you mean I can order a burger and asparagus that's kind of cool so if that was that your idea um that's
1: been around for a while
0: okay well but we have you can uh, take credit you can take credit, I'll take credit
1: for it because we've per- slightly revamped it so that it is uh gluten-free so kind of hit a broader audience of people when you bite into it you can't tell that it's gluten free Uh uh-huh but all the folks that uh don't eat gluten can also have it
0: right so i think that's cool that the that the company has this they give you this latitude to to try things that are very you know you're not gonna i don't know how you would do asparagus year round i don't think physically it's possible. So it's a very short window of time that Burgerville can deliver that product. So my question around that is, how do you train a crew at 39 different locations to be nimble and say, okay, it's May and we're doing asparagus. And in June, we're going to be doing something completely different here. How do you, how does Burgerville go about training these crews? Because it's, you're giving them new things to cook seasonally
1: we are always um assessing and evaluating and updating how we how we train folks right so because i can't i can't personally train you know 1500 people that's it's oh. not it's not possible so what what we do is we do create a lot of training materials so you'll have a booklet that gives you the information you need for managers they know what items come from where Mm-hmm. Um what what local vendors were using right. and um, what the how to, and then we have training videos. Right. we still we make those in-house. and so it's literally me. Sometimes I can talk somebody else into doing it. And we get some variety of folks and they come in and we go through the whole process right? This is what the case looks like. This is how you're going to receive it. This is how you're going to prepare it and all of the ingredients that go with it. So they have a step-by-step. And then we also train our managers. We do train all of our managers at once so they can come in and they can see what that step-by-step process looks like. And they have then the ability to train the, the next round of managers and they can train their crew, and it kind of goes down from there. So we have multi-layers of how to do it, and it really comes down to trying to find as many ways as possible because we all learn differently, right? Right. Some people read a recipe and can start going on it right away. Some folks really grasp the information better from a training video because they're very visual and they want to see how it's being done, and some people really got to be in it and do it. So we try to cover as many of those Processes as we can, and then we use our managers to make sure that the quality is maintaining throughout the run of that item. Right.
0: Well, that's awesome. So, but now, I kind of want to approach the kind of similar thing, but from a more not that asparagus wasn't specific enough because it was very specific. But you're, you're, you've got a new a new menu out. At the time we're releasing this, I think the menu's out. Um, I'm going to cheat I'll, I'll tattle on myself i'm cheating the blurb i was given i can't find the blurb help me out when is your your holiday menu um oh
1: our holiday menu is going to actually start oh, on tuesday
0: yeah, on tuesday so it's not out yet so and this episode will come out after tuesday so you're not you're not sharing anything other than with me, you're going to trust me with for a few days to not share your secrets. But I'd like to talk about the holiday menu that's current, what's, what's going to happen. Walk me through at a high level, the process that it took you to design that menu, the trials and tribulations of coming up with this and then finding if it will scale to 39 locations.
1: Um, some of these are like longstanding classics that we've had for a very long time. Okay. And um, we are always re like looking at and adjusting how we do expand things out to 39 locations. In all honesty, you can't take every single recipe and expand it out to 39 locations because uh, you have to look at how it's actually going to function and the flow in the restaurant and how they're going to actually work with it. Like hands on. So when we're looking at that, so I like to start with our rosemary fries. We've okay. had them for a very long time. They are a classic. People love them. Um, I have Mike Sierra, who we were just talking about. Her son is already excited. He's been excited for two months in anticipation for these things. So the rosemary fries, the rosemary sea salt fries, They we actually infuse oil in the house in restaurant.
2: Mm-hmm. So they're
1: going to take fresh chopped garlic, fresh chopped rosemary, and then a hint of chili flakes, and they're going to mix it in with oil. And they're going to let that infuse for for a full day. Okay. That garlic and rosemary really permeates through the oil. And then we are going to take some shoestring fries, which are really thinly cut fries. And we're going to fry those. And then we're going to toss them with a little bit of that oil and Jacobson rosemary salt and toss that all together and serve it to the guest. And so that does have the oil and how they're going to do that because heavy pieces fall to the bottom. So you got to constantly work with uh, newer employees to train them that they got to stir it up and make sure that they're not over oiling it, right? Because it's an oil based sauce. So the last thing you want is somebody to get a container that's got oil in the bottom of it. right? so that is one of the items that we're going to have. And that's great because people people love this during the holidays. It makes them feel like they're, you know, being a little spoiling themselves a little bit and, you know, being a little luxurious with what they're eating. Um, cocoa peppermint uh, shakes. We have a cocoa peppermint shake and a sundae. And that is the epitome of the holidays, right? Everybody, that really is. Um, we've tried to, we've tried different things. During the holidays, different flavor profiles, and it really comes down to our guests really want their cocoa peppermint. Okay. And so that one is a huge hit with everybody. My sister, uh, one of my sisters, it's her favorite shake. That and the Mary and Bray are her favorites through all of our shakes. And that gets um, that gets blended with holy cacao, chocolate syrup, and their Mary Mid syrup which I like to say because it's kind of fun to say. And we put uh, we blend it together with the crushed peppermint candy, so you really kind of get not just that um, peppermint flavor, but those little kind of crystals of candies throughout the whole shake. Right. And then it gets garnished with the, the whipped cream and the candies on top. And then I like to call it its little brother, the little brother, the, the sundae. Mm-hmm. Which is a chocolate sundae, and you get a little bit of those peppermint candies on top. And so that is for our desserts. And this year we are going to have a new holiday burger. Okay. And that is called the, uh, the holiday pick cheeseburger. And okay. that one is going to be a fun because people our crew are already having fun playing around with. How do you say it? Right. And <laughs> like, right. What is it? And I was like, well, it's actually a sauce. And mm-hmm. it's French, it's a sauce, and it um it's typically made like a sour cream-based or a mayonnaise-based horseradish sauce. Okay. So it's got a really bright, sharp flavor to it. So our Pequam cheeseburger is going to be our country natural beef. And we're gonna put a face rock aged white cheddar that has pepper, that has black pepper mixed all the way through the cheddar. That's going to get melted right on top of the the burger. And it's going to be served on our Franz bun with the um, horseradish aioli. And then it's going to get a little bit of red onion and a nice amount of arugula. So you get a little bit of that bright kind of peppery flavor from the arugula. And that kind of blends well with the cheese and then the horseradish.
0: That sounds amazing, but like if my mother was listening to this, I could see her go. Oh, that'd be spicy. I wouldn't try it. It, it, it might. It, it might scare her off. My mother thinks. Sorry, mom, if you're listening, <clears throat> and she's not, but well, she might. She, she says she doesn't, um, and I believe her because I have to help her with her phone, so she's probably not listening. But um, my mother thinks conventional black pepper is spicy. So she, you know, she, she avoids all things spice. So that I'm channeling my mom here. How, so does Burgerville's audience like these? You're pushing the envelope a little bit for what you would get at your traditional drive through drive in fast food place, right? It's,
1: so we are pushing it. And, um, I, I like to push my button, people's buttons. You can ask my mom. Right. Um, my father also thinks that conventional black pepper is too spicy. Okay. Um, so that is always because of that, I always kind of have it in the back of my head. Um, horseradish does have, uh, a spice to it, but it kind of goes away right away. Yeah. And exactly. Like, we have been pushing a little bit on what we can serve in a drive through what works really well, and um, this will be a fun experiment to see how horseradish lands, because I think horseradish can be something you really love. My family mm-hmm. loves it, absolutely mm-hmm. loves it, and some folks are indifferent to it, and then you have folks that are like, Mm-mm, nope, not me. I'm not going to do it. But I did challenge a couple of my coworkers and by challenge I mean kind of made them try the burger. Um okay. we cut them, we cut it up when we did the training for all of our managers. Um I requested that everybody take it one bite only unless they were um either allergic to an ingredient or plant-based eater. Okay. And three people who are like, I don't like horseradish. I don't like horse wow, that's really good. Okay. Because it does have a little bit of that flavor, but the horseradish isn't meant to be so strong that it really kind of, you know, that kind of really harsh, like right spice that hits your nose right away and kind of makes you sneeze, it's not gonna mm-hmm. be that spicy.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah. But I I, th- I think this is awesome that you're you're taking you're pushing the envelope. So I'm gonna ask you a question you may not want to answer. Just full disclosure here. I'm putting you on the spot. Have you ever had an idea? You're like, and let's just say, Hey, we'll put horseradish sauce that sounded good and it bombed.
1: Oh, there's always the, the idea of something, right? Um, I was actually just having this conversation with one of my crew members this morning. Um, Not every idea works. Mm -hmm. Right. And this is why we bet every recipe before Mm -hmm. it comes out. So, um we have we have had burgers that are more successful and some that are less. Uh right. last summer, not this past one, but 2022, our mm-hmm. Walla Walla burger. We mm-hmm. kind of changed it up a little bit and we'd never actually done a, an onion ring burger before. Right. We're so like, we have them, we might as well do it. Let's do it. And it was I I thought it was delicious. Um mm-hmm. our a lot of our Folks that we work with thought it was delicious. We're always trying to get people to put an onion ring on a burger. It all made sense to us. Right? And it sold fine, but it did not sell well. Okay. People really kind of said, like, with their with how they purchased, they said, this is fine, but they want the option to put the ring on the burger, right? They want their onion rings, and they want their burger. They don't want them together. So it's... See- It was fine. It just didn't sell great. And so this year we did the onion ring burger differently and we roasted the onions and we tossed them with a local barbecue sauce and it sold like gangbusters.
0: What I always find fascinating is when people will talk about things that didn't work because in most cases I find there was something learned that was more beneficial down the road and having and i think it's great that you guys are willing to take some risk you know you're not gonna you're probably not gonna put ghost pepper uh go you're, you're probably not gonna put out a ghost pepper burger for those people that you know love pain uh and probably a little too pushing the envelope too much right but but you're you're, you're willing to try and, and change things and experiment Give them, give them out to the public and see how the public responds. So I think that's I think that's really very a very cool thing versus just selling the same, you know, three varieties of a burger or, you know, whatever, all the time. So thank you for playing along on the things that don't go well. I wasn't trying to put you on the spot in a bad yeah. way. It was more like, what did we learn? So
1: I... I appreciate that because I tell people that all the time. I'm I'm like, something is not a failure. If you learn something from it and you're able to right. like grow and move forward from it. So, you know, it's only a failure if you allow it to be.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And you never know when you're going to hit that, that home run, mm-hmm. you know, you you, you would have thought, you know, you're not old enough to remember, but uh, Reese's peanut butter cups who put chocolate in my peanut butter, who put yeah, peanut butter in my chocolate, mm-hmm. you know, and wow, who would have thought and voila. I was kind of a, as a kid, I always remember that. And I always thought that was kind of, okay, I'm I'm old and TV in the seventies was pretty boring, but you know, that was pretty radical chocolate and peanut butter together. Oh my God. And you know, it's a great, it's a great flavor profile if you would try it. Um, if you would have just said, no, I keep that here and I keep this here. Uh, you know, you would never have found out the, the, the magic of the two things together. So I think that's awesome. So the holiday menu sounds great. I mean, it really, it really does. How long does it take you in your team? So how often do you guys change your menus?
1: For our seasonal menus?
0: Yeah, for seasonal.
1: There's no real um, consistent rhyme or reason to it. Okay. we're We're kind of looking at that now. Like how long, how long do we run an item before mm-hmm. we change it up? And of course, there's always the what is the sacred cow like what do you not touch
2: Mm.
1: rosemary fries is one of them walla walla onion rings are one of them there's certain things that are shakes during the summer months like Mm -hmm. there are certain things that will always remain because they are iconic to Mm -hmm. not just Burgerville but the pacific northwest right? right you can only get a walla walla onion if it's from walla walla washington Right. And so, like, those things are items that you can't change. Now, the Walla Walla burger, we can butts with that a little bit and we can, you know, change profiles, which we've done quite a few times over the years. And, but don't change the onion rings. Like, we, I literally believe people will be outside with pitchforks if we try to. So, (laughs) there's certain things that you can't. And there are other things that, um, you know, we had a blue cheese bacon burger, the big blue, we ran that for quite a few years. And it was like, it's good, people love it. But I mean, how long do you run something before you pull it to the back of the line a little bit and try something new and experiment. And I think Mm -hmm. the holidays are a great time to do that. Because there's so many different flavor profiles that you could bring forward for the holidays. Mm
0: -hmm. Because
1: I mean, they're as unique as everybody's dinner table.
0: Right, So you have a lot of
1: different flavors to pull from.
0: So how long do you spend, how many weeks does it take you to put together a holiday? Like you're, what are you working on now? You're working on the next holiday menu. Would that be a correct assumption? Because this one's ready to go.
1: We're refining a few things for spring, but we're pretty much already working on next year, this time next year. We want to be a minimum of eight months ahead.
0: Okay. And how much time, in broad strokes, does it take you to create a new a new menu item?
1: Um, I mean, it can take. Once I have the ingredients I want to use, and I mm-hmm. usually try and get a handful of, you know, five to six different items that you right. can start to kind of mix and match and play with, and um, so it usually getting to the point where I can bring it to the team and then bring it to the great the bigger team which mm-hmm. you know, all the marketing department and everybody else. Um, it's probably, that would probably take at least two to three months. Okay. And that's, right. that's doing it pretty quickly. But yeah. I mean, in, in, when I'm doing that, I'm, the great thing is my test kitchens are in the restaurants. So I actually go into one of our real restaurants and I do my R and D. So they get to, they give me a lot of input. They love oh, okay. because, you know, they get to be a part of the process. And they they um, the crew there really, in all of our restaurants, really does love to give their opinion on something and That's, give what their taste profiles are.
0: Do they ever give you ideas? Do they ever come, come up and say, hey, can we try this? Mm-hmm.
1: They okay. do, often. They often okay. do. Sometimes it's something that is really intricate and time consuming and not something that we can do in our restaurants. Mm -hmm. So we always, there's always a step of trying to find a way to refine that. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't.
0: (laughs) So that leads me to a question. Now it's just you and I talking, no one's listening. Does Burgerville have a secret menu?
1: If you ask our crew, yes.
0: Okay. So if I, if I'm going to ask you to play crew member for me, what would the crew tell me is this, is this an item on the secret menu? What do they? Come on. No one's listening.
1: <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to tell you my secret menu items. Perfect. I, I do. I do have a few of them. So um, our cold brew is made by Portland Roasting. And when we get to towards the end of the week, and I'm feeling a little run down, I make what I call a black and tan. And so that is half cold brew, half ice cream. And so I put our vanilla ice cream on top of it, and then just slowly kind of stir it in. And so that's my like boost of energy. I love. I love so coffee. So I love.
0: Coffee. Why do you wait to the end of the week for that? Why Why not just do that every day?
1: Well, I do it whenever I'm in the restaurant. Okay, right. but I mean, I, I you know, honestly, it's a it's a it's a cold brew, so it's a kick in the butt. I know. So that's my afternoon pick me up, and it's yeah. also a treat. So I don't do it every day because I I consider that a treat to myself.
0: Yeah, but it's coffee.
1: It is. I All right,
0: that. so we're gonna. Yeah. I normally ask this question later in the conversation, but we're gonna since I said the magic word that makes me salivate, coffee. <laughs> I ask everybody like. So in Vancouver, where's a great place for me to go get a cup of coffee?
1: So my favorite coffee place in Vancouver is called Relevant.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: It is on the corner of 17th and Main. And those folks make some delicious coffee. Um, So if
0: you and I were walking into Relevant, what would you be ordering?
1: I don't order. I go in and say hi, and then they make my drink.
0: Okay, so they know <laughs> they know your name. It's like cheers. I love it. I love it. So what would they be? What would they be handing?
1: Coffee, you? and I was like, just tell them it's for chef. It's fine. Okay. Um, I I do. I also love the flavor of coffee, and when you have a good coffee, which we have in the Pacific Northwest, um, I just want I want a latte. I want a whole milk latte with four shots of espresso.
0: Solid, solid. I'm a black coffee. I like, you know, I like, I don't like Mr. Coffee, black coffee, but I like, you know, I like, I'll drink an Americano. That's fine. I'll drink a a pour over French press. I like good. I'm not a fan of the light roasted third wave of coffee that's out there. I kind of like my coffee coffee. Um, I can put a spoon in it and the spoon will stand up. I mean, it's, you know, I like, I like good, thick coffee and that's a solid place. All right. That, that's good on you. I've, that's been named before. Uh, I've been there. Mm. Okay.
2: The so since pudding.
0: I, since I've been there, I got to ask you, I'm going to put you on the spot. Name another place in, in Vancouver area that I might not have been to. Give me a second one.
1: That you might not have been to
0: mm-hmm.
1: Vancouver proper.
0: Eh, it can be anywhere you 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 tell me you can uh, i'm going to break my rules you can even tell me one in oregon
1: well i by my house i do love lionheart coffee lionheart okay they do a really good coffee they're um the crew there are just they're wonderful it's like walking into relevant i like i like going into a place that is local and like mm-hmm. they, they don't have to have a connection with me, but I see them and they have a connection with, um, people around me. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. um, I will, I will go out of my way to find a small mom and pop coffee shop wherever I go. And I try to, that's how I choose to spend my money on coffee. Mm-hmm. So, um, there's a couple of coffee shops. I like t- um, tiger paper. I think they're still open. And that
0: was, um, I don't. That's not one I've heard. No, that's in Oregon.
1: No, that's in Vancouver. It's over
0: by the Blind Onion
1: off of
0: Mill Place. Okay. Okay, I'll go. All right. Well, since we said the magic word coffee and and you've given me some great coffee places, let's talk about, let's let's segue into Burger Bill's doing breakfast now. How's that? Yes. Hey, the segue kind of works. It does. So. First question about Burgerville and breakfast. Who? What coffee does Burgerville serve?
1: So for our hot coffee, we mm-hmm. serve Portland Roasting.
0: Portland Roasting. Okay. Yep.
1: They do. Um, we do their. They do our regular and our decaf. Moose uh, okay. Hollow and Telecom is the um, Telecom Crossing is the decaf, and we also have canned cold brew that we're going to be that we just started. And this is with our breakfast restaurants. Um, it is a relevant cold brew is their main street it's got a really nice bright flavor to it okay um so that that would be our coffee beverages that we're selling
0: okay so what what was the what was the aha moment for burgerville to get into the breakfast game
1: so we had breakfast before
0: Mm
1: -hmm. and um so don't hold me to the dates on these but in the midnight oh just down to the nearest hour is fine (laughs) <laughs> In the mid 90s at 11:50 p.m. Um, <laughs> they, uh, Burgerville came up with a really awesome breakfast menu. and mm-hmm. it really was a very good menu and then it didn't change for 20 years. There was, right. no, there was some specials that they ran, uh, but the fundamentally how what the what the offerings were really didn't change very much. And okay. when COVID happened, And everybody kind of, our way of life changed. The amount of time people could be in a building together changed. Um, Breakfast was, at that point, was um, the least profitable part of the day. And so it was easier to drop breakfast off Mm -hmm. and focus on lunch and dinner, which is where the rest of the world was kind of focusing their time anyway. Right. And so breakfast did go away. And when this last year, everything kind of feels a little bit more normal. And we've got guests that are kind of knocking on the door going, so when do we get breakfast back? We would like breakfast back. And our guests are not shy. (laughs) So they were very blunt about how much they wanted it back. And it gave us the opportunity to really look at what the offerings could be and how to create something that would be like really easy for our crew to confidently execute. And mm-hmm. our, our guests would love it. Okay. So, so what's
0: the, what's the new menu?
1: Our new menu. So we have your standard favorite, an egg and cheese sandwich, a bacon, egg and cheese sandwich, a sausage, egg and cheese sandwich, Our sunrise burger is um, a very popular one. I'm very proud of this one. It's meant to be a very hearty breakfast. So it's a full quarter pound burger, and it's got a fried egg, face rock white cheddar cheese, and bacon on it.
0: Solid. Yeah. Solid.
1: Um, We have what we're calling our crunch breakfast biscuit, and that has been a very popular item. And so it's a biscuit. It's a light fluffy delicious biscuit and that's got a fried egg face rock it has a hash brown has a little bit of red onion on top and then you can add bacon to it or you can add sausage to it
0: that sounds great too
1: and it's yeah. really good i've had several people look at me and be like why are you putting onions on a breakfast item i was like because onions are the foundation of all things cooking And I I tell them, I'm like, it's, it can be a little bit of a heavy sandwich, right? You've got a fried egg, you've got a hash brown, you've got a really rich, unctuous cheese on there. The onion, the onion adds a little bit of sweetness and it kind of breaks up some of that, like really kind of heavy items that are on there. And it just gives it a really nice flavor.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that sounds, I mean, yeah, that sounds really good. You're doing and a then, breakfast burrito, I think.
1: Yes, we are doing a breakfast mm-hmm. burrito, and that burrito is uh, we use Wilcox eggs, which is a local, a local yep. company, uh-huh. and um, Penny Salsa, and Penny's is actually out of Sumner, Washington, yep. and they we're going to take that and we're going to put fried potatoes, we're going to cook it all together with the eggs, and then we mm-hmm. put that on a Don Poncho tortilla with mm-hmm. Tillamook cheese. And roll that up for our guests to enjoy, and they can also add um, bacon or sausage. And for right. those who don't like the tortilla or can't have the tortilla, they can get it as a bowl.
0: Oh wow! Okay, so you, you, you guys really are trying to accommodate the the gluten uh, gluten free or gluten sensitive crowd. are
1: mm-hmm. trying yeah. to work. For, we have a few people here that are gluten free. My father is a celiac, so there's always a little bit of right. that in the back of my head. And I really look at like, how can how can we hit something for everybody? Right. And right. then um, we finish the whole thing off with, you can get biscuit, just a biscuit if you want, and you can get that with butter and honey, or butter and jam. And then we have biscuits and gravy. So you can get a nice hearty breakfast with biscuits and gravy, and um, I love that because the we put a lot into making sure that gravy was really robust and flavorful. Right. And it's not something. It's it's tricky. Gravy is a very passionate thing for everybody, right? It's eggs are emotional. I tell people, gravy is emotional. Like people are very. They hold to. What their idea of the best egg and the best gravy, and that's every right. gravy that's in the world. Like, so we put a lot into making sure that that gravy would be something that would people would be like, "Oh, I get the herbs, I get the spices. Like, this is really yeah, good."
0: No, I'm I'm kind of regretting not having breakfast this morning. I, should, you know, <laughs> bad on me. Uh, I should have been better prepared. So, second question, I always ask my guests. And- We just did breakfast. So now we can, we can shift to lunch. I'm going to get to Vancouver around lunchtime. And I normally ask my guests, where's a great place to get lunch. I think I know what you're going to tell me. So instead of asking you that super easy, you know, softball question, I'm going to mix it up just a little bit. I'm going to show up in Vancouver around lunchtime. And I'm going to let you order for me at Burgerville. What are you ordering for me?
1: I am going to order you our number six burger.
0: Number six burger.
1: Number six burger. That is a really delicious burger. Um, right now we have waffle fries, our waffly fries, and those are a huge classic hit with a lot of folks. So I would get our number six burger waffly fries with our delicious chipotle mayo to dip those in. And then I would probably wash that down with a cold brew shake
0: solid. Now, I'm not going to argue with you, but I need to know a little bit more about the number six burger. What, what am I getting there?
1: So the number six burger is our grass fed, grass finished burger offering. And that mm-hmm. is a uh, Carmen ranch beef. And so that is going to be a burger that is a little thicker. We actually made it. So it was a little bit thicker, a little bit taller. And so that gets a uh, face rock, 24 month age, white cheddar. It goes on to a brioche bun that's made by Grand Central, and then it is sandwiched with a little bit, uh, we got two slices of tomato on the bottom, we've got some pickles, some red onions on the top, and some mayonnaise, and so if you really bite into that, you get the Pacific Northwest. Right. So you have a little bit of that grass fed flavor. You got the crunch and the lightness of the pickles. The tomato mixes with the mayonnaise and kind of creates a little bit of a sauce to it. And then Mm -hmm. the cheese is just this really sharp aged white cheddar that is just kind of the icing on the cake, in my opinion.
0: That's that not having a Burgerville menu in front of menu in front of me, I don't know that that's for sure the burger I would order. But it's certainly one I would 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 be strong consideration. You know, I, I you know I'm, that yeah, that's yeah, that'd be good. And the uh, cold brew shake, yeah, that's that's a home run. Waffle fries, fries for me are like I I, I like fries. I mean, but the the for me it's the burger and the drink earlier. Really the the two the, those are the two stars of that of that trifecta for me. Uh, the fries are a, a solid supporting cast. But uh, so but the the cold brew shake is yeah, that'd be. That'd be amazing. On, uh, how do I say this? What's on the horizon for you in Burgerville? What are you guys going to be doing in the near future that you can talk about?
1: Um, In the near future. So as we're looking into early 2024, um, we are going to have our Big Sassy. And that burger is um, our country natural beef with face rock white cheddar. We've got some mama little's peppers in there and some red onion. I think the red onion and the mama little's go really really well together. And um, it's called the big sassy because it's got attitude.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> well, that's. Mm. Now see that see if that was on the menu with the number 6? Like if I'm choosing it, you know, mm. big sassy i love mama yeah. Lil's peppers they're that's ooh, oh yeah, that's yeah, they,
1: they they're, yeah. Uh, my friend last night was like i've never heard of those i'm like they're kind of like pepperoncinis but bougier with more attitude
0: <laughs> yeah a dear friend of mine who i used to work with um he knew the guy that started that company and so we got them really early on and he would my friend's name, his, his name was Jim, and Jim would go, here, have some of these. I'm like, what are these? He goes, no, trust me, try these. You know, and every time I'd go visit him, he's like, here's more. And it's like he was just handing me, you know, cases of it, basic. I'm kind of kidding, but, you know, jars, multiple jars at a time.
1: We are not yeah. fine with giving samples out the Mama Littles people.
0: Every yeah. time
1: they visit us and we talk to them about using their, their uh, peppers and something, um, they usually show up with, like, a dozen or so jars of something.
0: So you, how often do you tell, how often do you tell them that so that you get another jar to take home?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I try not to be too greedy, <laughs> but they do love, they do love to, they love to um, share their food, which is yeah. you know kind of how I grew up. My mom, yeah. my mom was always like, super- whatever life event happened, just feed them, just feed them. <laughs>
0: right. Right. No, that's, yeah. Um, this isn't your wheelhouse at Burgerville, but I can ask. Is Wenatchee going to get a Burgerville next month?
1: No, not next month.
0: Okay. So what do we have to do? What do we have to do to get Burgerville to consider more northern exposure into Washington state?
1: I mean, what do we got to do? I, I, Help me. never say never. Uh, we are looking to expand more, more into Washington, mm-hmm. or into northern Washington and into southern Oregon. I don't have details, but it is something just just
0: come up north, just come north. Don't something. go down south. <laughs> don't go
1: south. Well, my brother has a house in Bend, and he would like us to come down south. Um, <sighs> I love. I I would love to be um closer into like the Wenatchee and Spokane and Tri Cities, and mm-hmm. um, those are some, yeah. those are my places. Like don't sure. don't hold me to that, but. Well, I know, I know. There is conversations of like there's so much of Washington that we could move into, and so there, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw that in the next uh, probably two years.
0: Well, just when we get done with this, I'd like you to just pick up your phone and call the the head of the company and say, "I just talked to Scott. He demands (laughs) a burger villain Winatchi." I'll I'll tell you what. I'll give him two options. I'll just
1: go tell him when we're done.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you what. Even tri cities. Yeah, you know, but Wenatchee. Okay.
1: Oh, I had a good friend from Wenatchee, so Wenatchee holds a special place in my heart. Yeah,
0: so it's a it's I'll a great place. Dro- I'll and start it,
1: dropping those bombs in his ear. Yeah, yeah,
0: you know, just just yeah. Um. So when you're not working as the the head chef and coming up with these ideas and bugging Mama Lils to give you samples and, uh. <laughs> mixing cold brew and ice cream. I mean what what do you like to do for fun? What 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 else do you do with your life?
1: Um I have I I don't have children of my own, but I have a lot of nieces and nephews. And okay. So I love to spend time with my family. Um I love to um read read about food. I listen I drive a lot, so I listen to a lot of books on tape and a lot of podcasts. And I I love to listen to Michael Ruhlman books because I love that his I love how he talks about food and he's a nerd. He's like my kind of nerd. So I like to listen to those books. I like to listen to Anthony Bourdain reading his books to me. I saw that. Uh, I have a couple of books on tape that um, he narrated. So my Bible, Kitchen Confidential and Medium Raw. And so I love to listen to those things. Um, I'm a huge true crime buff, so I'm either listening to stories about food or true crime. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or was watching stories about true crime.
0: Okay. I'll, I'm going to share a story with you that I've shared on the show before. So you've got, hey, listeners, I'm going to be talking about Bourdain for two minutes. You can tune out and fast forward. So many years ago, uh, 15 years ago or so, I was... Uh, I had to be more than 15 years now. Anyway, 15 to 17 years ago, my uh, daughter had um, just moved in with me. And I was a single dad. two teenage kids. And I was a real estate agent. And uh, real estate can be really hard when you're getting started. So to make ends meet, because I had two kids and they like to eat, um, I took a job as a chauffeur. And I worked for a small limo company in Tacoma. I was living in Tacoma at that time. And so uh, the owner of the company and I um, became good friends. And he wouldn't make me drive like the stretch limo and take all the, the bachelor parties or the bridal showers out. I didn't have to do any of that work. I, I typically drove people to and from the airport. Did a lot of, you know, luxury ground transportation. One day he calls me, and says, hey, I got a job for you You need to drive to Portland. I go, okay, what do you, okay. Who am I picking up? He goes, you're picking up Anthony Bourdain. I go, no, no, I'm not. He goes, yeah, you're picking up Anthony Bourdain. At a hotel in portland and you're gonna drive him to seattle and you're gonna pick him up in seattle the next day and you're gonna drive him to the airport well my daughter at that time i think she was 13 i could have given her to anthony bourdain and she would have been completely she loves anthony bourdain head over heels in love with anthony bourdain still is to this day i think her prized possessions are anthony bourdain books i'm not joking so i tell my daughter she screams and yells and she's thrilled so the day comes, I drive down to Portland in a Lincoln town car. I pick uh, Anthony Bourdain up at the hotel, we drive from Portland and we're into Washington state. And you know where On Alaska is?
1: Sounds familiar, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's, it's uh, north of Vancouver, south of Kelso. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. middle of nowhere, right? About On Alaska goes, hey, um, the next exit, can you pull over so I can get a cigarette? I'm like, yeah, okay. Um, so I pull over in Alaska, Washington, You live in the area and you don't even know where it is, right? So think about this for a second. Yeah. And I got Anthony Bourdain in the back of a Lincoln Town car. And I pull into a gas station and I pull away from the pumps because, you know, you can't smoke at the gas pumps. And he goes, no, no, no. Can you pull around back? He goes, my wife doesn't think I smoke and I don't want anybody to see me. And what went through my head was, you're in Alaska, Washington. No one's going to know who you are. Well, so I pulled around the side. He goes, this is fine. Gets out of the car. I'm not joking. Six people showed up out of nowhere. Like they sprouted out of the ground. He's having a cigarette, and these people come over to him, like, oh my God. You know, they're just, you know, like, like you would be if you met him, right? I mean, oh my God, like, oh my God. And, you know, he finishes his cigarette. He's gracious. He's kind. I get him back in the car, you know, kind of shoo him away, gracious and kindly. And he goes, that's my life. And I go, I had no idea. He goes, yeah. He goes, that's why I want to go around back. I'm like, I'm sorry. He goes, yeah, it's okay. It's all right. And, uh, So we hadn't talked much from Portland on Alaska, but my daughter was begging me to, can I just get his autograph? That's what my daughter wanted, right? And I'm trying to figure out how to ask this question. And so I said, hey, yeah, I hate to be that guy, but I'm going to be, because it's my daughter. My daughter would love um, an autograph. He goes, okay, sure. He goes, does your daughter have a phone? I go, yeah. He goes, let's call her. (laughs) So I call my daughter on my cell phone. I hand it back to him. He's sitting behind me in the car. And I can hear my daughter playing his day because she's screaming her head off. I mean, she's just ah! It's like it's like those pictures you see of women when they saw Elvis or the Beatles. I mean, it was that. And he's like, well, why don't you and your dad come to my thing tonight? I'll get you guys tickets. And, you know, and I'm, the limo company has a rule. We're not allowed to take gifts from writers. And I'm like, I can't. He goes, "Now, exact. I'm not going to say his exact word, but it started with an F.
1: I've had him. I know. I, I didn't need an opportunity to meet him. I, yeah. Okay. So, you you know, I mean, he is, he is,
0: yeah, he's, he is as advertised, right? So I go, okay. Okay. So I drive him all the way up to Seattle. We're, we're talking the whole rest of the way. And he's just, he was just a really, like, I'd like to hang out with guy. Like he would be cool. So drop him off at the hotel in Seattle drive back home, change out the, the the limo gear into dad gear, grab my daughter, drive up to Seattle, get to the Paramount Theater where he and Mario Batali are speaking, go up to Will Call, and there's no tickets. My daughter, devastated. I'm begging the Will Call guy to just go find him. I'm explaining my story, and the guy's not, the guy's looking at me like, if you're full of it, you're really creative. Well, he happened to just walk past the ticket booth and I saw him. He's, I go, he's right there, please. The guy goes, Excuse me, Mr. Bourdain. And he turned around and he saw me, goes, Oh shit. And he comes, he comes outside the Paramount Theater, grabs me and my daughter, says, Hi, Kenzie, and pulls us inside to the lobby of the Paramount Theater. The you know, the crowd out there's going, Oh my god, it's like they're seeing Elvis. Mm-hmm. We ended up in the fifth row of the Paramount Theater. He and he and Batali gave their talk. We got to go to the after hours party on the stage at the Paramount Theater afterward. I am father of the the, the, the millennium because yeah. my daughter has my, my daughter has she got to meet him and talk to him about Morocco because that's where she wanted to go. There's photo there's photo proof of this happening, blah, 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 blah. So that's my Bourdain story and how it relates to Washington. And that's why he's on the wall, because everything back there is Washington state related in some way. And that's that's a map of Seattle with Bourdain silk screened over it. Okay. There's my, now listeners, you can tune back in. Um, there's my story.
1: I met him. Um, I think it's the same time you're talking about. So it was about 17, 18 years ago. Um, he was doing a show in Oregon at, or in Portland and in Seattle. Um, yep. and he came into the Virginian, the old Virginian and in Seattle, in no, in Oregon, we had one.
0: Well okay, okay, Seattle has a Virginian too. That's they right. do, like, okay. but
1: we we had one. It was um it was downtown by by Pioneer Square.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, we know, Seattle has Pioneer Square too.
1: <laughs> it moved it moved a little bit, um, but he came in and um Got to chat with him. He actually did a a whole wine dinner, and my friend worked at the Heathman at the time. When and Vital Paley did the whole dinner with him, and so uh, she brought him into the into Virginia Inn and kind of he just kind of chatted with us and hung out, and and literally everybody was just acting like he was chef and we were the line cooks and just hung out. Such Mm -hmm. such a good guy. Like I was surprised because you always I hear stories right? People who are like, oh, I met him and he got like literally bombarded. It doesn't matter where he goes in the world. Everybody knows who he is. Everybody just like gloms onto him, but everybody gave him the respect he deserved. I was really surprised because the other time I met him, that's not what happened, but everybody was just really cool and calm and collected. And he chatted with folks and kind of moved around the audience and it was nice. he He was who he was, but deep down,
0: right. he was a really, really good human being. Yeah, he—he he certainly, you know, in my three hours in the car with him, I mean, and how, and then picking him up in the car the next morning, to and then I had to pick up Mario Batali and take him to Boeing Field for a private jet flight to wherever they were off to go. Um, he was he was great. Yeah. He was he was he was a a, a real memorable. um a real memorable person in in my world. So I think we're getting probably close to the end of wrapping this up. So have we covered all things Burgerville? I believe so. Awesome. Well, putting you back on the spot, you, 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 you hang out with your nieces and nephews. What do they like to do? What are the, what are they, you know, you started this whole conversation by sneaking to Burgerville to go to the mall. What, What are the, what are the nieces and nephews up to? What do they like to do?
1: Uh, my nieces and nephews, uh, their interests are vast, especially when you start to get to teenagehood. Right? So <laughs> I have nieces who, like, what, all they do is they're on their phone. <laughs> they muck around on their phone and that's what they do. Um, so a lot of them, they're very, most of them are very creative, art, artistically wise. And, all right. Um, they genuinely make a lot of beautiful art and I know I'm the proud auntie so I'm, I'm a little biased but um they are very we grew up feral because we're you know <laughs> late 70s early 80s so they're all outside like they get kicked out of the mm-hmm. house just like we did and right you know maybe not like we did but they have to go out in the backyard and play and um right their interests are are so all over the place that it's really kind of i mean individual to when I'm talking to each one of them.
2: Right.
1: Okay. So yeah, they're they're starting to bake. A couple of them are starting to cook and starting to bake and okay. it's, um it's fun to see like they get all very excited about getting into the kitchen and actually helping and right. learning how to make a meal. And it's great. I love to see their faces at the end because at the end they're like, Oh my gosh, like they're proud of themselves. They're like, I, I did that. Like you did do that. You did it great.
0: You have set me up so well. This whole episode transitions wise, this has been a dream come true. So here's that last question. I told you I was going to ask you the one that you can't not answer and you must answer completely, but you kind of set it up. You ready? I'm ready. Cake. Or pie and why? Oh,
1: my God. That's so here's the thing. You can't just say cake or pie.
0: But I did. And you have to answer.
1: Fruit pie. Are we talking cream pie? Are we talking about chess pie? Lemon pie? Lemon meringue pie? Um, Are we talking about like cake with uh, buttercream frosting? (laughs)
0: It's a simple question. Cake or pie and why?
1: Cake or pie and why? um pie specifically chocolate cream pie why nostalgia okay we did not there's
0: no wrong answer we
1: did not grow up with pumpkin pie as the prominent pie during thanksgiving my mom always made coconut cream pie and chocolate cream pie and we still do that okay we still there's always pumpkin pie for the folks that like it but we are we always look forward to um my my sister makes she's the she's the dessert person now my younger sister and she makes a decadent chocolate cream pie that i don't mm-hmm. think needs whipped cream on it it's so good like it just is way delicious so when i look at like our our holiday events the pie has mm-hmm. always gone first and i Pie's always gone first and
0: cake
1: okay. is delicious but
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a follow up question. If you had to make cake or a pie, which one would you prefer to be involved with? Cake. You would prefer to be do cake, and so you get to choose. What cake would you want to
1: bake? Um, I would do
0: the chef in you. What you know? What what's you know? Wait. This is if I got to do this, I want to do this. Red velvet. Oh,
1: red velvet with a cream cheese frosting.
0: Solid. Solid. Okay. That's. See, it was a simple question. <laughs> it's a simple question. <laughs> simple question.
1: I'm, <laughs> I'm Irish and Jewish is my background, so we are very good at taking a simple question and making it very complex.
0: Oh. And, and here's the thing, as I told you before we hit record, <clears throat> it's a simple question. And some people act like I've asked them to give up one of their children and they have to decide which one on, on the spot. It's their, And other people are like adamant that it's it's cake, it's Costco sheet cake, there is nothing else, everybody else is wrong. You know, it, it's just, it. the answers are kind of fun. And some people are like, Nah, I don't care about either. And I'll, you know, I'll pick, you know, but the people that and I like your type of reaction, you, you're like, oh, I don't, I don't want to do this. Um, but you did, you know, the, the point is it wasn't, you know, it's not life or death, but it's for some people that. Oh,
1: it is. Some people it can, is. Be. It can be. Yeah. yeah. You start that debate in my family. It's going to go on for at least six hours.
0: <laughs> well, maybe for the holidays this year, that's what you do. Yeah. Bring a new topic to the table. You know. <laughs> There you go. Well, Chef Becky, thank you so much for sitting down with me today. I am uh, looking forward to getting down into Burgerville area and uh, I will try a number six. Yeah, and I will, tell, I will tell the person at the counter that you told me that this is what I should have.
1: Perfect. You let us know when you come down. We'd love to host you. It's been wonderful okay. chatting with you. This really just feels more like chatting with an old friend.
0: Well that's that's the goal of the show and I do appreciate that. And uh, I'll let you go so you can go and uh, about the rest of your day. Awesome. Thank you so much. Hope you enjoyed the show. You can reach me on Twitter at Explore Wah State. I'd love to hear your comments. You and also visit our website at explorewashingtonstate.com. If you know anyone who would like the show, it'd be amazing if you'd share the show with them. This is the biggest way that we grow this show. Good old word of mouth. Glad you were here with me today, and I hope to have you listening to the next episode. See you then.